Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. We have a sports Canada. I'm your host, Wayne Lewis, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lose a somewhat pivotal game, um... To the Chicago Bulls, who are currently in 10th spot, the spot that the Raptors are desperately trying to get to, but cannot, and they have lost this game by a score of 122-113. to 113. Um, This was the game that was made up, remember earlier in the season, the Raptors uh, had this huge outbreak of COVID with five guys in the team going out at once, uh, they had one coach available to coach, and that was uh, Adrian, no, not, no, that was Sergio Scariolo. Uh, who just happened to be away from the team, which is why he got to coach. But you got to imagine he wasn't fully prepared when he was coaching for Spain to come in and teach the coach NBA as well. In any case, uh, that was the game that was postponed. The Raptors didn't have the minimum number of players available to play. I think the minimum is seven. The Raptors tonight had eight people available to play. And I don't know if that's any better. I think when they rescheduled the game, I think they probably thought, well, Look, we can't possibly be down as bad in that game as uh, we are in that current moment in February when they were dealing with that. And they're not. I mean, thankfully, most of the guys aren't dealing with COVID. But you have five guys out with injury on this team, okay? Um, Kyle, Fred, Rodney Hood. um, Who else was out? Um, Jalen Harris. Um, and then you have DeAndre Bembry, who was suspended for this game. And then you have guys that you're signing to come play for the team, but they haven't joined the team yet. And, you know, uh, we'll see uh, if Ken Burch doesn't get claimed on waivers, which is a possibility because he has a very cheap contract and he's serviceable. Um, but if he doesn't get claimed on waivers, it seems like he'll sign in Toronto or in, in, with with the Raptors. And, um, you know, they've, they've added a 10-day and things like that, but... None of those guys were available. So they have eight guys playing this game. And, you know, it's... Oh, I forgot Pat McCaw, who actually just got waived, unfortunately, um, for Pat. That's that, that's that's really tough. He's had a knee injury, and 
yeah, I mean, damn, that's that's really tough to get waived in that situation, but it kind of is what it is. Um, so the Raptors had eight guys available for this game, and yeah, I mean, you're just not going to win a lot of games when you have eight guys available. Um, you know, the last time the Raptors played the Bulls this season, you know, that was a game where Raptors got blown out by 30. This game was a closer game, but also another game where the Raptors were down uh, by double digits for most of the night, and you know, I mean, again, you're leaning on a lot of depth that, A, these guys aren't really in the situation that, you know, they normally are in, and B, like, you know, a lot of these guys can't give you that much, especially in terms of scoring. I think I was a little disappointed defensively in the team. Um, I think, you know, the coaching staff really came out with a game plan. Okay, we're going to focus on two guys on the Bulls. We're going to try to take away a lot of what Vucevic likes to do, doubling him in the post. The Raptors usually like to do that. And, of course, we're going to try to limit uh, Levine and turn him into a passer rather than a scorer because he's obviously a very deadly scorer. But the Bulls did a really good job of moving the ball, and they just utterly dissected the Raptors. I mean, the Bulls shot 54% from the field, shot 40% from three, um, didn't go to the free throw line that much, but they shot it at an 89% clip when they were there. They got 12 offensive rebounds. They turned it over 16 times, which, you know, that was the one advantage the Raptors did win. Um, but I mean, you know, the Bulls eviscerated the Raptors and you have to give them lots of credit. I think they played really well. Um, having two bigs on the floor at all times, you know, they kind of have a European flavor to them. The, the Chicago Bulls, especially when you look at their front court, obviously you got Vucevic in there. Uh, and then you got Laurie Markinen coming off the bench. You have, um, Daniel Tice coming off the bench. You have Sadoransky in the starting five as well. So a lot of more ball movement when you sort of play in that sort of style. And when you have two power forwards like that, I mean, in, in Tice uh, and Markinen, who can move the ball but also space the floor a little bit, it's tough to play against them. And they, they move the ball really nicely. The Raptors did get Levine uh, in terms of his shot selection. Um, you know, he, he made some tough shots, and the Raptors did limit his specific attempts he only took 16 shots but he had 13 assists the, the rest of the team you know capitalized and you know I, I thought the Raptors defense was just a little bit uh out of sorts and, and by a little bit I mean a lot because the Bulls had 64 points by halftime you know Nick Nurse was in halftime obviously showing these guys tape of where they can improve you know I mean you kind of improved but not really I mean you got another 33 points in the third quarter and yeah I mean it wasn't even like the Bulls were shooting the lights out they were just moving the ball really really well and, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's a hard situation. You know, you might say, well, maybe we could have just guarded them straight up. Maybe just, you know, only just play them straight up. Um, you know, less help. Just let Levine sort of cook. Maybe he'll freeze out the rest of the team or something like that. Um, to be honest, I don't really know what the right answer would have been. And it's obviously a lot easier to say in hindsight. But didn't feel like the Raptors were fully there defensively. There were some moments where the Bulls kind of got tight maybe in the fourth quarter. But realistically... Um, Maybe they just honestly took their foot off the gas pedal because they were up so big and they were expecting the win, which they ultimately did. I mean, literally, when it came time to winning time, Zach Levine hit a fadeaway three over Gary Trent Jr., who was right in his face, uh, and he took it to the basket for a tough two uh, to really close it out. So, again, you got to give credit to the Bulls. Um, as for the Raptors themselves, well, let's start with the positives. I mean, to be honest, I don't really want to go into too many negatives on the, in this game itself, although there are some things to look at. I think for for one, the, the the huge positive tonight was Chris Boucher, who had a career high thirty eight points and a career high nineteen rebounds. An absurd night. He had thirty eight and nineteen. They were showing Chris Bosh highlights from like two thousand and eight against the uh, the Golden State Warriors back when they were still in Oakland before the Raptors, you know, 
shut down that arena. Um, yeah, I mean, that's unbelievable. It, it literally looked like we had Chris Boucher out there, not Chris Boucher. Like, um, that's the anglicized version. Like, it, it, it's, it was nuts. Like, he just... Chris gets into the zone where he's just so active and persistent. And, you know, the end result is 19 rebounds, including 9 on the offensive glass. I would say he had at least, like, 7 or 8 putbacks. It was crazy. On top of the fact that he started the game... So, the first shot he got in the game... Maybe a late shot clock situation, but he took one hard dribble to the mid-range area, to the elbow, because obviously his legs are very long, so he gets the the, the elbow in one step. And then he t- took like a fadeaway th- uh, jumper over Vucevic, who was guarding him, and he made it. And I was like, okay, all right, that's not usually his game, but, you know, it's always nice to have that. And it was like he took that exact same approach, that same aggressiveness throughout the course of the game, and he was making a, a handful of those mid-range jumpers, a little, you know, contested threes, things like that. He was, he was, I mean, he was playing out of his mind and, and he played really, really well. And it was basically just a combination of Boucher and Pascal who even kept the Raptors somewhat respectable. Again, a lot of these games, I kind of know the Raptors are going to lose, but you know, just don't lose by too much. And you know, you need some people to be there to be respectable. And I thought, you know, Pascal and, 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 and Chris were the two guys, um, you know, who are keeping them alive, really. And, and yeah, Boucher's energy was incredible. At first, I thought this would be a tough matchup for him just because, you know, the Raptors have traditionally matched Vucevic with size, whether that was Marcus Saul or even this year, they've, they've used Aaron Baines against uh, Vucevic quite a bit. So I was curious as to see how the Raptors were going to guard him in this new situation. Uh, Nick decides to go with Boucher, who's been starting the last few games. And, you know, I would say Vucevic... You know, I mean, mostly hurt Boucher through the pick and pop. You know, some other situations where, you know, whatever, Vucevic got open, okay, whatever. But, I mean, Boucher played really well, and he won that matchup. Hey, that's against an All-Star. So that, I mean, first off, you know, that that's impressive on its own right. But I thought Boucher, you know, uh, gave it back to Vucevic in every single way in terms of it became a mismatch for Vucevic, who had to switch on to Pascal Siakam and then Pascal torched them. It was it was great, honestly. The Raptors had great effect every single time they attacked Nick Vucevic. Um, but Boucher's activity was a little bit too much for, for Vucevic to, to, to guard. Um, he was also stretching the pain out and, uh, you know, just, yeah, I mean, Chris played amazing. Like, it was honestly incredible. It was one of those games where you look up and you're like, I know he's balling, but let me check the box score. And again, 38 points and 19 rebounds. It's it's absurd. I think it really speaks to his energy. I think, you know, there are certain games, and, and you know, Chris obviously has had some incredible games this season, uh, but he's also had some really quiet ones. And, of course, of late, he's been more quiet than he's been um, like this. You know, uh, but he's capable of these kinds of games. He really is. Like, I thought he went through a tough stretch, um, you know, when the Raptors were obviously losing a lot. I mean, you know, I'm looking at one for four against the Cavs, one for seven against Houston, two of five against Denver, two of six. Then you got one for four, four of ten, two of four, three of twelve. Like, there was a stretch there where, you know, it was like, okay, is the bloom coming off the rose here for Chris? But, I mean, the last two games, he's been, you know, very, very... Uh, aggressive, very tenacious, and yeah, nineteen and eight against the the Lakers, and today thirty eight and nineteen against the Bulls. Who again start two bigs and bring two bigs off the bench, so they're big at all times, and their wings are pretty big too. Um, especially when you look at a guy like Pat Williams, who's basically like an OG clone. Um, 
I mean, it's it's impressive for for Boucher to get that many rebounds. And again, it speaks to his energy and activity. You know, I remember earlier in this season where he had games where he would come off the bench and then just like finish the game, and he would play like twenty seven straight minutes or something like that, and it was absurd. Um, and and yeah, I mean, that's that that's the kind of motor that this guy has. And and today he was he was he was really getting to his spots, really pairing well. And I think look, Boucher and Pascal played well together as a pairing this season. Um, if you look at the two man. Uh, lineups data the Raptors two the the two best two man lineups for the Raptors obviously this two is only you know a, literally forty percent of the starting five but the two best two man pairings both involve Chris Boucher and one of them is with Pascal Siakam I believe they're plus one hundred and fifty one on the season about six hundred minutes the other one is uh, Boucher with Fred VanVleet which is also plus one hundred and fifty two in like six hundred odd minutes so. Basically, Chris and Pascal play really well together this season. They've had good results. If you compare Chris and Pascal versus Chris and or Pascal and uh, Baines, it's literally like the the complete inverse of what you would uh, what you would see there. Um, but in any case, yeah, I think it pairs well. I think their skill sets match up well, especially on nights where Chris has got it going. Because I'm not gonna lie to you, like Chris is not always like this or even close to this. You know, sometimes he will be kind of empty on that front. Sometimes he will get bullied on the glass. Sometimes, you know, he's not hitting the three and things like that. Um, but, you know, on paper, their their games match up well. I think Boucher, obviously, um, you know, is a guy who can rebound at a high level. We've seen it. It's just defensively, um, he can get pushed around a little bit. But, you know, he's a guy who can stretch the floor. Uh, he's definitely the Raptors' best three-point shooting big man. It's not even close. Um and, you know, Pascal obviously needs some space. Usually the helper against Pascal comes from the center position. And so if you have a guy at center who can shoot, that really helps Pascal's game. It's a lot more space for him to operate with. Uh, and, you know, I think Pascal obviously feeds Boucher as well because Pascal is able to drive into the paint. When he draws a crowd, he's pretty good at kicking it out. And Boucher can sort of capitalize and profit off those on, on threes or, or, you know, even attacking a closeout, as we've seen today. And he put the ball on the floor really impressively, Chris did. Getting to the mid-range area and fading away, getting all into the basket and finishing. A lot of good stuff from him, getting to the free throw line as well. Um, and, you know, let's be real. Pascal drives to the rim and, and something a lot of times he'll miss. And if he misses there, I mean, the, the offensive rebound, I feel like off a... Uh, off a, off a drive, especially if the defense is sort of rotating over to Pascal, there's a great opportunity if you are crashing in like Chris would be um, from the three-point line to get some misses and get some putbacks. So the two of them have played well together this season. They played well together today. I mean, there was a stretch in the third quarter there where it was literally just the two guys scoring. The two of them scored like the first 16 points of the third quarter for the Raptors. Um, and yeah, it was very impressive. Um, and of course, Boucher finished really strong. He had 24 points in the second half alone, uh, whereas Pascal kind of faded. But, you know, I thought the two of them really did their absolute best. I thought they rebounded the ball well, too, defensively. Um, you know, uh, Boucher with 10, uh, Pascal with 8. You know, you'll take 18 defensive rebounds from your starting front court. Uh, and, you know, for, as for Pascal himself, I mean, listen, 27 points, 10 rebounds, and assists, 3 blocks. In 38 minutes, that's kind of what you would normally, I guess, expect from Pascal, sort of within that range. It's more scoring than he normally does, maybe less assists. But, you know, you can also see that coming in this game, right? Because literally no one else is going to be scoring that much when, when you have that many guards out. Pascal had to take on the scoring load. And it was very impressive to see Pascal just, like, drive at the defense repeatedly, man. 
this, I mean, he was super insistent. And one thing I liked about Pascal today, his handle was really tight. So he was able to really get to the spots. When he, when he did the spin move, when he went into traffic, when he put it between his legs, uh, when he tried to make a quick move, like, all of that was really good. And he was crossing guys up, and especially when he was matched up against Vucevic, just going by guys and using his explosiveness to, to get to the basket and beating people there before the closeout can come. And yeah, Pascal was 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 honestly so much fun to watch in that front. Like he was uh, very very quick, lively, finished with either hand, uh, made some really nice moves uh, again just to get himself open. And I really like seeing the other team sort of uh, not panic, but sort of shuffle through their options in terms of okay, option one wasn't working. Using size in Nick Busevich, who's seven feet tall, wasn't going to work against Pascal because Pascal was going to sh- bring him out. Take him to the three-point line at the top of the floor, then drive at him, cross, and then basically Vucevic is not going to be really able to read if Pascal wants to go left, if he wants to go right, and Pascal is able to get by him. So they switched it up. They got Thaddeus Young on him. Thaddeus Young's a pretty good defender. He's a little older, but you know he's still a really, really uh, valuable contributor. I mean, I would love a Thaddeus Young on the Raptors, for example, 11, 9, and 6 tonight for, for Thad. Pretty damn good. Uh, but, you know, he's physical as well, but, you know, I think Pascal was able to get by him as well. And the Bulls basically settled with Pat Williams, who who, who guarded him. And Pat Williams, like I mentioned, is, is basically an OG clone. And I would say he did the best out of the whole bunch, but uh, it was nice seeing Pascal work. Uh, and again, like, you know, um, <laughs> there wasn't a lot else going in this game. So basically, Pascal and Boucher carrying the two of them combining for 65 points. Wow, that's... And uh, 27 rebounds. That's 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 very impressive, especially against a pretty big Bulls front court as well. And I thought Pascal played really well defensively as well in terms of like his energy was high. He was he was getting contests. He was uh, I mean three blocks tonight for him. Uh, had to play a lot of help defense. You know, Raptors played various schemes. You know, I, I liked his aggression on the glass. So you know, really good game from those two. Um, the rest of the team. <laughs> Um, you know, I guess the negatives here is like I thought OG would contribute more, and maybe that's just sort of like uh, hubris on my front because like you know Pat, uh, OG has been a guy who um, has expanded his game of late. You know, when the Raptors have needed him to, um, you know, maybe not necessarily to this degree where he's basically the shooting guard here, uh, but you know he wasn't able to deliver on that front offensively. I think there were a lot of takes that he made that were not great shots that he was getting for himself, wasn't creating the space. You know, the Bulls also did a really good job of closing down the paint. They do have a lot of size, and they were using a defender in Pat Williams who is very similarly shaped um, to OG in terms of similar size, similar athleticism, similar build, um, similar, like, um, strength. Uh, so there was really not an advantage that OG can really get. Like, you know, when you saw OG matched up against, like, I think Vucevic early in the game, he crossed him up and got into the paint for a, a, a layup. And I was like, wow, that was a really nice move, a quick crossover. But, you know, I don't think OG has the quickness advantage over a guy like that. Nor does he have the size advantage. Because normally he would just post a guy up and sort of muscle his way in. He wasn't really able to do that either. So it became a game where OG sort of was forcing his shots a little bit. And, you know, there were, there were a few threes that he was missing that, you know, he would normally make as well in terms of, you know, whether it's an, an, it's, uh, an open catch and shoot or even the occasional pull-up when the, there's, the defenders are sagging back. Um, but not a, not a very efficient game from OG. 5 of 17, a little disappointing uh, to see his game and wasn't as impactful defensively as I thought. Um, and, and, you know, it's a similar game from Gary Trent Jr., who was 2 of 14 from the field for six points. I mean, A... Uh, 
I mean, look, you're, you're getting, that's 31 shot attempts between OG and Gary Trent with only um, three free throw attempts total from those two guys. Like, that's not a very efficient mark. Just, of course, like, it's not an efficient shooting percentage by any means, um, 7 of 31, but to only get three free throw attempts is is disappointing on that front. And I thought Gary today had some good looks, was creating his usual assortment, you know, the, mid, the mid-range sort of, uh, step inside, pull up, uh, you know, try to step back for three or all these other things. But just wasn't really coming off for Gary. I thought he was getting good looks to start. And then sort of as the game went on, the, the looks sort of dried up a little before him. Um, and he didn't and ultimately make two jumpers. But, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a very efficient game for Gary as well. I think there's limitations to OG and Gary in terms of, as of right now, what they can do in terms of creating shots. And it's not really guys you can just give the ball to and let them, let them create um, in in the way that you can just give the ball to Pascal and create, or give the ball to Fred and let him create, or give the ball to to Kyle and create. There's you know obviously there's you know different roles on a team, and those guys aren't really f- suited at the moment. Their skill sets don't really scream guys that um, should have the ball a ton and and to attack and create. But that's the situation the Raptors are in. So um, Malachi, he he was okay. Uh, I would say he was solidly he was solid um you know Sadoransky played a really good game I thought in terms of his efficiency he's not really looking to shoot looking to create uh but I thought Sadoransky played a good game Flynn was asked to create a lot more and you know I think that's still a bit of a challenge for him um you know I I like the fact that he has seven assists um you know a lot of those are just like feeding Pascal and let him work but still um, got him the ball. There were two times where Flynn worked the pick and roll with Pascal, kind of expecting Pascal to roll, but Pascal likes to work pick and roll to then seal his man and get the ball in the post. So he's not. Re- it's a very different, um, you know, play essentially. And I think both times Flynn was uh, misread the situation and 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 you know just threw a bad pass. And you know that's that's a lack of chemistry there. And of course, you know when Flynn plays more, he'll understand a little bit more. But. Um, you know, I, it, it was okay. He, I mean, his three uh, made shots were all threes. He, he was 0 for 4 from the uh, from two-point range, including late in the game where he, he crossed the guy over and got to the rim for a layup. It was a very nice move, but he just left the layup short, unfortunately. Uh, but he did make a de- deep three late in the game. And, yeah, I mean, it, it was tough. I, I, I You know, I think he obviously had some good games against the Warriors and, and the Wizards. Um, but I wouldn't say that... You know, those are the best defensive teams in the league. In fact, <laughs> those were two of the worst defensive teams in the league, especially with Draymond missing for the Warriors. Um, Flynn was okay. I mean, you know, did his usual stuff, got, you know, stripped the guy in the post. I think, again, Vucevic, you know, um, you know, I thought he held his own defensively uh, as well. But uh, again, just you needed a little bit more shot creation from him today. And, you know, it just wasn't fully there. I thought one play he made that was really nice was, you know, he had a pick and roll on, on the left side of the floor, drove baseline and, and turned the corner and had two defenders coming towards him, including Zach Levine helping off the corner. And OG was, or um, Flynn was able to find OG in the corner with a nice pass. I think what's one area for Flynn where he's mostly a scoring guard at the moment, but you would need him to also create for others. And I think one way you can do that is he has the quickness to threaten the rim, to draw help and things like that. Um, can you use that quickness and then keep your dribble alive uh, a little bit longer, let the defense sort of um, react to him, and then make the pass out? I think right now that's that's part of the adjustment in terms of, like, adjusting the NBA speed is, like, 
um, getting a sense of like timing in terms of how much uh, time you have, what the, what are the gaps that you have, what are the uh, options you have. You know, if you take an extra dribble here, you know, gnash it out like 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 Nick Nurse keeps telling him to do, or which just means you keep the dribble alive off after you drive downhill. You try to drive across the lane. Um, you know, see what options come up, and I like that. I like that play by by Flint to, to kick it out to OG. But you know, it was it, it was an okay game from Flint, I would say. And then the bench. I mean. I wouldn't even say anyone off the bench played that badly. I thought, you know, Stanley came in, gave them some driving layups. You know, Utah came in 17 minutes. He was, um, the, the Raptors played a box and one uh, against Levine when, when Levine was sort of in those transitional lineups with uh, some bench players off the um, off the Bulls bench. And, yeah, when the Raptors went to a box and one in that situation and Utah was at the head of that box, that he was the one. He was the Fred Van Vliet, um to Zach Levine, Steph Curry. And Utah did a pretty good job of it. I, I, you know, I thought he guarded Levine really well. I mean, Levine seemed frustrated with the, the pressure at times. Um, got called for a little push off. Although Utah said after the post game interview, because I asked him about it, and he just said, "I don't really think that. I think that was a lucky call." And I was like, "Man, I've never heard an NBA player ever say that was a lucky call." Uh, so very, very honest from Utah. But you know, I, I, I like the way he, um, his approach to, to, to the game today. I think. None of the bench guys really tried to score that much. You know, Stanley did come in for a couple of drives, but he does that in the regular course of a game. I think with Utah, like, he's so much trying to just play within the flow that it is going to be hard for these games where he needs to expand his game. And today, I thought he honestly has some decent scoring chops. Like, literally, like, um, there was a cl- he was driving against the guy. The, the, the defender cut him off, you know, towards the middle, and then Utah put it behind his back and went baseline and went in for a lefty layup. That was nice to see. He had a corner three. That was nice to see off a nice piece of ball movement where the Raptors got it from one side of the floor around the horn to the other, and Utah hit it in the corner. I mean, there was another play in transition where he sort of, I think uh, Levine was on the play, and Utah, uh, good footwork there, got separation at the rim and uh, laid it in. I mean, you know, there's he's not a bad offensive player. He really isn't. I just think that he just, for some, I mean, he doesn't shoot, which does make him a bad offensive player, but... Um, I don't think his skill is that far below his usage. Like, he really is unselfish to a fault. And, again, Utah even even said after the postgame, he's like, yeah, that's that's why my minutes have come down is because, you know, a coach keeps telling me to shoot and, and, and I haven't really been shooting. So, you know, that's fair enough. Uh, yeah, he does need to look for his offense a little bit more, especially in a game like this where, listen, man, I, <laughs> I mean, unless it's like Chris was open or Pascal was open, take a shot. Who cares? You know, take a shot. Uh yeah, you know, it was just, it was a different, difficult situation, but I liked Utah's defense. So, I mean, you know, it, what what more can you really say about these games? I mean, the Raptors got to get some guys back. They Obviously, they're going to bring in some reinforcements, which is nice. Uh, you know, maybe um, we'll see some different options. In terms of Ken Birch, I, I you know, again, I do caution because he is on the waiver wire. Someone might pick him up. Um, but if he does make his way to the Raptors, I do think that that is something that... Um, is nice. First off, I don't want to overstate anything. Like he's literally averaging five points and five rebounds. Okay, like so. Uh, if you were upset with Aaron Baines's five points and five rebounds, then you know you're not expecting to bring in like you know prime Hakeem over here. But uh, I do think that Kembridge. Well, a first off, in Orlando they play a lot of two bigs, so I, I, and the Raptors don't really do that that much. So I think that him being on the floor as the lone big would probably help. Um, but I, I do think that he's a guy who can rebound the ball. He gets after it on the offensive glass. 
He's an active defensive rebounder as well. He's a guy who Steve Clifford really trusts. And if you know Steve Clifford, which, I mean, I don't know why you would know Steve Clifford. But um, if, if you know, if you're familiar with this coaching, he's a defense-first coach. And if he's really relying on Ken Birch as his center, um, you know, I, I think that does tell you a lot about Ken uh, ability to guard. He's a guy who's he's physical. Uh, he can catch a lob. You know, again, like, it's it's it, he's... Just a, a backup big in the NBA, but he's he's not a bad player, and I think he would help the team. I'm happy that you know he's considering going to the Raptors. You know, obviously, uh, I think that's one of those connections that really worked out. Nick Nurse coaching uh, the uh, Canadian national team, and you know, in 2019, Kem was actually one of two NBA players who actually uh, was on the roster <laughs> to to go to um, Guangdong. Um, to play the tournament, and yeah, I mean, Canada didn't do that well, but I thought Ken Birch was their standout player, obviously, along with Corey Joseph, uh, and yeah, you know, that, that having that connection does really help, and I, I mean, again, like, um, we're, we're just talking about Ken Birch over here, but I think in the future, Nick's ability to, 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 to through the national program, to, to coach guys like Shea, coach, coach guys like um, Jamal Murray, you know, like, that, it can't hurt, I'm not saying they're going to come just because they're going to come, but, like, you know, uh, it can't hurt. And um, I'm happy in this situation. I, I do think that that is definitely a factor for, for Kem if he eventually comes to Toronto. But, you know, that would be nice. I mean, hopefully he replaces what Baines does. Uh, to be honest, Baines has been playing fine. Um, I know people like to complain. You know, he's been playing okay. Uh, you obviously like to see more activity. I think Baines, to be honest, I, I feel like he never gets the ball and so that maybe is hard to play and discouraging. But, of course, there's a reason he's not getting the ball. Um, but, you know, he actually got the ball a few times. Then, like, OG was trying to pass to him off the pick and roll a few times. And, you know, Baines had some finishes, you know. So it, it wasn't terrible for him. But, I don't know. He was also a minus 22 in 18 minutes. So I don't know why I'm trying to defend Aaron Baines. Uh, in any case, I think Ken will help. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Raptor situation is what it is. You know, they're... If you look at my favorite standings, the uh, the Tankathon standings, the Raptors are three full games behind the Chicago Bulls, and the Bulls have the tiebreaker. They now won two out of three contests against the, the Raptors this season. So the Raptors are more than three games back of the tenth seed just to get into the playing tournament, and you compare that to where the Raptors are in the lottery, in the reverse uh, standings, in in the in the lottery standings, the Raptors are two and a half games back of Orlando, who have the fourth worst record in the league. So you know, it, I mean, listen, the Raptors are. If you want the Raptors to tank, listen, the Raptors are trying hard. They're trying to do what they can, but they are. It, it's unavoidable that they're sliding in the standings and. Um, yeah, I mean, with 20 games to go, you got to make up, you know, three and a half games. That's that's not going to be easy, even though it's just catching the Bulls. I mean, listen, the Bulls, I mean, like, look at them today, man. They, the Bulls are bringing Laurie Markkinen as their fourth big off the bench, right? Like, they're they're starting Thad Young, and they're starting Nick Vucevic, and then they're bringing Daniel Tyson. Daniel Tyson played 27 minutes. Markkinen played 18 minutes. He was the last of the, he was the fourth big to sub in, and, you know, he's the guy who played the least minutes in that, in that, in that rotation. I mean, that's Laurie Markkinen. I understand maybe the Bulls don't want to re-sign him in the offseason and things like that, whatever. But, like, 
Markkinen would not even... He would obviously start for the Raptors. Like, he would be really good, and he's their fourth big. I mean, he had 18 points tonight in 18 minutes, shot 8 of 10 from the field. You know, was awesome. Plus 23. Uh, Him and uh, Kobe White off the bench just torched the Raptors, and he's their fourth big, which is wild when you're that envious of talent on the Bulls. But that's that's what it's been for the Raptors this season. So, in terms of your three stars, first star obviously goes to Chris Boucher, 38 points, 19 rebounds. Yes, 12 of 24 shooting from the field, 7 of 8 from the free throw line, 3 of 7 from the 3, 36 minutes, a plus 16 as well. Played really good defense uh, and was incredibly active offensively. And again, just a career night for him. Congratulations to him. That's almost a, that's literally one put back away from a 40-20 game, which is absurd. Um, in terms of your second side, that's going to Pascal Siakam, 27 points, 8 rebounds, and an assist, uh, 10 of 17 from the field, hit a 3, got to the free throw line 7 times. To be honest, I could have, I thought he could have got to the free throw line more. I mean, you know, he was driving every single time. There's a lot of contact, but this is a game where they didn't officiate. The whistle was not that tight, to be honest, which um, I would say probably benefited the Bulls a little bit more than the Raptors because the Bulls were going, or the Raptors were going to the rim a little bit more, but... In any case, I'm not really trying to complain about calls. Pascal was really good. I, I like the way he he, he played. Uh, real no no complaints. And then third star, honestly, I'm giving this to Yuta Watanabe, and it's really just because you know I thought he guarded um, really well in that assignment against Levine. I mean, Levine's a deadly scorer, man, and he's turned out to be a pretty good playmaker too. So it was not easy. And yeah, Utah three of three from the field in seventeen minutes, seven points, two rebounds, and assists, a steal. Played pretty good defense. And again, I just wish he would shoot the ball more because if he were more aggressive, I think his defense certainly plays. But the Raptors can only have so many guys who are liabilities offensively. And it's not even like Utah has a skill set that specifically says he's a liability. He just doesn't. He's like too polite. He doesn't want to shoot. Like, you know, shoot your shot, Utah man. Shoot your shot. Uh, and in terms of Gerald Henderson award winner, that's going to go to, yeah, they'll go to Markkinen. 18 points uh, on 8 of 10 shooting, like I mentioned, in 18 minutes. Super efficient. Again, like, you know, hey, he's an unrestricted free agent in the offseason. You know, Raptors, I would not mind. I really would not mind. I think Chris, uh, I think the Raptors could really use a spacing player in, in the front court. And whether you play him at power forward or at center, I mean, listen, it's fine. Either one is fine to me because, um, yeah. The Raptors could, could could use some help. And again, I can't believe he's their fourth string big. So thanks everyone for listening. Again, as a reminder, uh, subscribe to the Raptors Reaction Newsletter where you will find all of your favorite Raptors content in one spot um, in your inbox. So uh, I'll drop a link to that in the podcast description. And uh, I want to thank everyone for rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show. And yeah, the Raptors play two more games this week. So you will see me on the weekend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.